Hi, everybody. This is Albert Hardy for Bible Prophecy Radio. I want to talk to you today about something that's been on my mind, and it's very intriguing to me because there are many pastors and, and preachers out there. They're all over YouTube, and they're all over the media that say that if you don't get saved now, you're dead meat. When you die, you're going straight to hell. But I don't want to talk just about hell. I want to talk about judgment and punishment. And is there any hope at all for those who have already died after the resurrection? In other words, let's say they died. Are they going to hell right away? Poof, just like that? What does the Bible say? Let's go to Second Peter 2. Chapter 2, 2 Peter 2, starting in verse 1. Uh, and by the way, I am here to say that I believe that there is hope after death. What about all the people who died in the flood? They were all wicked. They were all wicked. They deserved the punishment they got. But are they going to be resurrected and then put in hell? Are they there now burning? No. No, they're not. They're asleep. They're not awake until God wakens them up. That's what I see in Scripture. But who am I? Here's what it says in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1 and onwards. But there were false prophets among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring destructive heresies, even denying the Lord Master that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. Yes, that's exactly right. Destruction. Not continual burning. Destruction, death, the end of it all. Verse 2, And many shall follow their pernicious or lascivious doings, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. And through covetousness they shall, or, um, they, or shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingers not, and their damnation slumbers not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them into Tartaru. Now, this is the only place in the Bible where the Greek is used there, that word Tartaru. It means a place of punishment, a place of holding or jail. Cast them down to Tartaru and delivered or committed them into chains or pits of darkness, it says in the margin, to be reserved unto judgment. Whoa, 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 whoa. They're not judged yet. They're reserved unto judgment. The day of judgment has not yet come. Verse 5. And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person or the eighth generation, maybe, 
a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them as an example unto those that after should live ungodly. And delivered Lot, verse 7, who was vexed sore with the filthy conduct or lascivious life of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them. Now, why would a righteous man dwell among the wicked? In seeing and hearing, vexed his righteous soul or life from day to day with their unlawful deeds. The Lord knows how to deliver the um, the godly out of temptations, which is exactly what he did for Lot, and to reserve the unjust for the day of judgment to be punished. They're not going directly to hell. No, they're asleep right now, and they will come up in a resurrection. There will be a day of reckoning. So, what else can we find in Scripture? Well, remember when Jesus said that something is condemned already? This is from John 3 and verse 18. Let me just flip over there real quick. 3 and 18. Here's what it says. He that believes on him, that would be on Jesus, is not condemned. And in the margin it says judged. But he that believes not is condemned and has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let's just pause right there a second. Let's say you died and you come up in a resurrection and suddenly you're face to face with Jesus. You're not burning in hell. You don't see fire anywhere. You don't smell smoke. No. But you're face to face with Jesus and you know who he is and that he's the judge of all the earth and every human being and that what you say to him matters. And it could mean life or death. I mean, seriously, this is, this is a critically important moment in your life. What would you say to him? You know, I asked that to my boss one time because we had had a two-hour discussion about evolution versus creation. And I thought I was making some headway with him, but in reality, he's angry at God. He knows God exists. That's not the problem. The problem is he's angry at God. And that's the way it is with atheism. There's something lurking in the back of their mind or in the forefront that is making them angry at God. And my bosses, you know, and I've related this before, but his father ran off. He never knew his father. His mother died of cancer at age 32. 
so he was raised by his grandmother. And when he got old enough to fly the coop, he was stuck raising her, or, I mean, caregiving her, taking care of her as payback. He's a good man. He's got that in his spirit to honor his parents and, and grandparents. But he's angry because he lost out on his window of opportunity to marry, to settle down, to commit to a relationship with a woman. He's had lots of women, but they he can't commit. So he's angry at God for the life that he has. Even though he has money, he doesn't have happiness. Well, happiness doesn't come from being married or having a spouse or children. They can add to your happiness, but they can also subtract from it. So if your happiness comes from a human, you've built your happiness on sand and not on solid rock. May I suggest to each of us that we build our happiness, our chief joy, on God. That's the solid rock that will never change no matter what comes floods, fires, you name it. Now, if our happiness is dependent on him, we don't have to worry about people making us happy. No, they don't make us happy. God does. And that's the truth. So it's this rebellious spirit He that believes on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. So let's say he comes up in the resurrection and he's got this, you know, this angry spirit about him. Not God, not Christ, but the person facing him in judgment. And he says, I don't want anything to do with you. Now, that is not an attitude to have. That is an attitude that will result in death. Because then, Jesus will realize there's no redeeming this person. He has set himself through pride and arrogance and rebellion to not believe no matter what. Sorry, Charlie, he's out. That's the end of it. In, in my view, this is the way I believe it will go down. Now, am I perfect? No. Am I right in everything I say? I try to be. I'm just trying to follow what Jesus is saying here. Now, in verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light has come into the world. That would be Jesus. But men loved darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds were evil. For everyone that does evil hates the light. Neither do they come to the light, lest their deeds should be reproved. So see, if he rejects the light, even when he's standing there in front of the light, that would be Jesus, there's nothing more to be said. But he that does truth, verse 21, comes to the light that his deeds may be shown that they are wrought in God. 
exactly. Now, what is this idea of more tolerable? Let's go to Matthew 10, starting in verse 15. Matthew 10, 15 says this. Verse 15, Verily I say unto you, It shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Let's back up a bit. What city? Whosoever, in verse 14, shall not receive you or um, not hear your words, when you depart out of that city, shake off the dust off your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Where else is that particular phrase, what, uh, more tolerable, found? Well, let's go to chapter 11 and verse 21, just a page over. Woe unto you, Chorazin! Woe unto you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, which are exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell, or Hades, the grave. For if the mighty works which have been done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained till this day. Whoa. Verse 24, But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for you. Boy, that's scary stuff. Now let's go to Mark 6. Matthew, Mark starting in verse 11. Starting in verse 11, 6, 11 says, well, let's go up to 10. And he said unto them, in whatsoever place you enter into a house, there abide until you leave. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your word, when you depart out, shake off the dust from under your feet, as a testimony against them. Truly I say to you, it shall be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah in that day of judgment than for that city. Very similar wording to Matthew chapter 10 and 11. Now let's go to Luke 10 and see what it has to say. Trying to compare these. Um, Verse 12. This is Luke 10, verse 12. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable in that day for Sodom, and, or for Sodom than for that city. Woe unto you, Chorazin! Woe unto you, Bethsaida! For if the mighty works had been done in Tyre and Sidon, which have been done in you, they had a great while ago repented, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be thrust down to hell. 
unto Hades. He that hears you hears me, and he that despises you despises me, and he that despises me, excuse me, despises him that sent me. That would be God the Father. God the Father is the one that sent Jesus. So there is something that is tolerable after the resurrection. That's what I conclude with all these verses. Well, if that's the case, then there's still hope for those of Sodom and Gomorrah, Tyre and Sidon, Chorazin and Bethsaida, and the cities of the plain, which God destroyed at the time of Sodom and Gomorrah, which would be Adma, Zeboam, and Bela on top of Sodom and Gomorrah. So now, let's take a look at Hebrews 9, starting in verse 27. Hebrews, toward the back of the book here, 9, and verse 27. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. You see, Jesus became sin for us and paid the death penalty so we wouldn't have to. But You know, that's a huge price to pay, a huge price to pay. But he was God himself. So how could God die? Well, he became human so that he could taste of death once for all. And thank God he did. But he couldn't stay dead. Three days later, God raised him from the dead to everlasting life. And that is the purpose for which we were born as well, to have permanent life. And not just, you know, eternal retirement or not just an eternal um, church service. No, there's work to be done. There's things to do throughout the universe. It's my personal belief based on Isaiah Chapter 35, Isaiah 45:18, Isaiah 40:22, and several other glimpses into the future scattered throughout the Bible, that there would be a new heavens and a new earth wherein righteousness dwells. How could that be? A new heavens with righteousness living out there? Well, there has to be people. It has to be populated. And Isaiah said, said it best in 4518, I think. Let's see, let's just go there. 45, chapter 45 of Isaiah and 18. For thus says the Lord that created the heavens, God himself who uh, formed the earth and made it, he has established it. Now, what does that mean? That word means colonized it and created it not in vain, he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. And then in 51.16, happens to be my favorite verse in the whole Bible, 
and I have put my words in your mouth, and I have covered you in the shadow of my hand. Why? That I might plant the heavens and lay the foundations in the earth and say to Zion, You are my people. Wow. What does it say in 4022? Um, let's just take a look. 4022. It is he that sits upon the circle of the earth, and the inhabitants of the earth look like grasshoppers. He stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spread them out as a tent to dwell in. Did you hear that? To dwell in? The, the heavens are spread out like a tent to dwell in? Places to live. Wow. You talk about an awesome God with an awesome purpose for his own children. There is hope after the grave, most certainly. Let's take a look at um, John 12 for a second. John 12, in verse, starting in verse 47, here's what it says. This is pretty cool, pretty cool stuff. Well, let's go all the way up to 44. Jesus cried out loud and said, He that believes on me, believes not on me, but on him that sent me. That's the Father. And he that sees me, sees him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believes on me should not live in darkness. But if any man hears my sayings and believes them not or keeps them not, I don't judge him, at least not right then. For I came not to judge the world, but to save the world. He that rejects me and receives not my words has one that does judge him, the word. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him at the last day. So you see, Jesus is the judge of all humanity. And what his word is, is law. That's the reality. And we should be grateful. For I have not spoken of myself, but the Father which has sent me, he gave me a commandment, what I should say and what I should speak. And I know that his commandment is life everlasting. Whatsoever I speak, therefore, even as the Father has said unto me, so I speak. Now, what exactly did Jesus speak? He spoke life everlasting. What Jesus' words add up to is that, life everlasting, with something wonderful and awesome to do throughout, well, it's not like there's an end, forever and ever and ever. You realize how many stars there are, are out there? They're innumerable. Billions of galaxies, each one containing billions of stars, each one having planets revolving around them. Wow. They all need work. They all need to be brought to life. And that, I believe, my friends, is what God is up to. What an awesome God. What an awesome plan. Are you kidding? Wow. 
Well, that's what the heavens are for. He's built them to last forever. And he's going to bring them to life through his children. That would be you and me under the auspices of none other than the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Until next time, this is Albert Hardy, but you can go to my website. There's nothing to sell. I have nothing to buy. <laughs> you can't buy anything there. I have nothing to sell. I've got eight books there. There's lots of videos that are linked to YouTube that build faith. That's what I'm all about. You can download those books of mine, and you can print them. They're free. They're there for you. There's an audio book about the life and times of Jesus. I suggest you go to itellwhy.com. That's the letter I, the word tell, T-E-L-L, and the word why, W-H-Y, itellwhy.com. And you can email me at jesusiswhy at gmail. Dot com. Until next time, have a great day, and thanks for tuning in to Bible Prophecy Radio.